Hey guys, Bridget here. On today's episode, there is no TMI. As we go into all things fertility awareness, naturally tracking your cycle as a woman, and how we as a culture are leaning more and more into natural and holistic approaches to health, and in turn, many women we see are ditching the birth control pill. Maybe you yourself have been on the fence about doing so, or like us, you just love to chat all things fertility tracking, where to start, how to do it, and learn to trust your own body. With us is a special guest who has made it her mission to bring women natural options for planning their families and learning their own bodies. Welcome to Unraveled Podcast. I'm Bridget. And I'm Mackenzie. This is the place where we unravel all the things on our hearts. Laughter, tears, and real talk are all invited. Here we go. Hi, Bridget. Hi, how are you guys? Good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be with you guys. We're so excited to have you. Welcome to Unraveled Podcast. Today, you guys, our special guest is Bridget Boosacker. She is awesome. She's the founder of Managing Your Fertility, a one-stop shop site for all things natural family planning, fertility awareness, methods to choose, all of it. So anyone who's interested in learning more, Bridget, where can they find you on Instagram? Instagram, Facebook, uh, Managing Your Fertility, and then the website, managingyourfertility.com. And then I'm also at Smidge of Bridge for personal content where I'm also sharing more of my personal natural family planning fertility awareness journey too. And Bridget, you have one daughter and you live in Minnesota. One daughter, Felicity. And I've been married four years actually on Thursday, which is pretty exciting. Yeah, I uh, live in Minnesota. I work part-time as a communication specialist and then work with managing your fertility, um, filling in pretty much all my other time with that and really focusing on building out the website and the resources for women and couples. So I love love being able to work with other women and couples and just hearing their stories and working with them along their fertility journey. Wow, that's so awesome. We're so happy to have you here. Oh, this is such a big there's so much to talk about. I'm so excited. I don't know what I'm more excited about having another Bridget on the podcast or <laughs> talking about one of my favorite topics, which is, yes. um, which is, I think uh, something that a lot of women face and, you know, as we get older and we're in our, we enter into like, you know, the college years and the young adult years, um, fertility, um, awareness is such, um, I guess like a hot button topic and something that has touched all of us. Um, and so when I started to explore what that meant for me, um, NFP and and fertility awareness was definitely an option that I didn't know a lot about, but I knew that, um, from things I had heard, I wasn't particularly, um, I didn't know if something like the pill would, would make sense for me. And, and also it's not something that is aligned with what we believe. And so, Um, having all that said, I wanted to ask, um, first, like what got you interested in fertility awareness, Bridget, and how has, have you seen it work in your life and kind of, uh, transform your life? I think it really started at a young age because my mom was so pro natural family planning and fertility awareness and really big on advocating for my health and my body and being able to ask questions. So I think from her creating that really, open environment in that space for me to just share what I was experiencing and feeling. Um, it, it really set the stage for me to be interested in how my body worked. And I wasn't totally grossed out and afraid of it or totally unaware because I really had no idea or was, um, I wasn't put on the pill at a young age. 
So I think from that experience and um, in college, fertility apps were just becoming a really big thing. They were like in the startup tech world. And so because of my mom being so open and talking about my cycle with me, I was really interested to try an app to see what it would be like to chart that way. And I hadn't worked with a practitioner um, or a doctor specifically with charting. Um, so it was really just me exploring it and seeing what it was like. And I got a couple girlfriends to join me and it, it created this really cool community, this space for us to be able to share about our health and talk really specifically about our cycles and see like, what were we noticing? What was going on? Do we think we need to go to a doctor or not? What was our experience like visiting with a doctor and did they hear us? Did they understand us? Uh, were they willing to advocate with us too? So I think from that, it really, pushed me into this space and realizing that I really wanted to be more and more in women's health, specifically in the fertility awareness world, because I saw such power behind it in my own story with my health and, and just seeing how other women were being inspired by it in my own life. And so that pushed me into those next phases when I was engaged and going through the process of trying to find a method. It was super hard. There really wasn't one place to go to that I could find what I was looking for. And my then fiance, now husband, David and I were, were trying to figure out what method we wanted to use. And it was way more complicated than we thought it was supposed to be. And so it, it kind of merged my passions with wanting to use natural family planning in my own marriage, liking fertility awareness and just that journey that I had with it already and that openness and understanding and learning my body. And then seeing a real need that there wasn't a place for couples and for women to find all these methods available in one place to shop for, to look for them and see what was best for them, that it kind of merged both worlds for me to be able to, to move in that direction and founded the site Managing Your Fertility. Wow. That's really cool. There's so many different methods, right? Like what was the one that grabbed your attention or would you say it's good to dabble in a few? I have to add that um, before I got married, when I before I even met my now husband, I was with Bridget. Um, O'Boyle and we were talking about fertility and waiting till marriage and all these things and she is the one who dropped the term natural family planning my mom never told me about it um, I guess there's kind of this uh, in the old days there's this weird idea about it you know that the rhythm method is what they call it but it's not that at all um, it's like you said about understanding the woman's body and listening to that and finding fertility awareness. Um, and so I'm really thankful for that, that moment. I remember where we were and it really, really opened my eyes. And I'm and yeah, Ken's, so. just to add to that, Ken's like, my mom didn't tell me about NFP either. I mean, she had seven kids. So I always kind of assumed like <laughs> mom was not on the pill, but there was never like, like Bridget, one thing you said that I think is so beautiful and really has made me think like what, how I want to parent a daughter is what you said mm -hmm. about your own mom. Like, how do you feel like safe and comfortable to talk about, you know, anything about our bodies, anything, you know, fertility, um, related. And, you know, it's not that my mom was like hindering that conversation, but it was just right. never really welcomed. And so yeah. I think that that is super, empowering for me as a mom of a daughter to hear that and say, okay, like that is putting a little bug in my ear that like when, you know, grace is of age, I have to start thinking about like, how will I introduce all of this stuff? Um, so yeah, super cool. Yeah, totally. I think that's a huge piece of it too, is just 
it's pushed me to think about with my own daughter too. Like, wow, how do I want to talk about this? What's the environment that I want to create for her? How do I want her to be able to understand her own body and recognize not only her dignity and her worth, but also just like the data of her body. What is her body telling her? How does it work? How can she advocate for her health as she gets older? And I think just with so many different curriculums out there for sex education, it, it rarely, if ever covers fertility awareness and how a girl's body actually works. So if we're not, if so we're not crazy. talking about it, it's crazy. Right. It's, it's, it's mind blowing. It's mind blowing. <laughs> and so if we're not having the conversations or pushing ourselves to create that environment and the school's not doing it, you know, it makes sense why so many women are totally shocked by the idea that they can chart and understand their bodies and it can right. be empowering that they're not having to shut down their entire healthy functioning reproductive system. <laughs> it's crazy. So crazy. Bridget, can you explain what, so you said that in college you had a group of friends and you guys kind of went in on it together. Um, how mm-hmm. did you go about becoming, are you a leader with natural family planning? I, I've seen somebody, I know Bridget O'Boyle has had um, somebody to help her and Johnny. Like where does someone go to begin this? Yeah. So I am not formally trained as a practitioner, but I really, I don't know. I just, I've loved learning about my body and just the, the camaraderie of other women in the community we built, I think really pushed me to see the possibilities of, of what I could do in this space and what was missing. And I think, um, in that process, it really helped encourage me in my own journey of charting too. So I think that's a really vital piece is having other women along the journey with you and being able to share and having a group of women to share with, because I think it's super important to have a practitioner and to be working with someone specifically when you have um, questions about your cycle and you're learning a method without learning curve to make sure you're understanding how it works. And if there are, you know, weird nuances with your cycle, but then also having a group of friends or another woman to be able to talk to and share in so that it's respecting, Mm -hmm. you know, your marriage and the privacy of your marriage for Mm -hmm. sure. But also that space to be open to, um, in the, in the journey of learning, I started out with FEM and the FEM app and it was a really, and it still is, it's a really great, um, app. It's a symptothermal method and it's a really great one to be able to use because it just explains everything so well. It has online trainings available and it's really targeted towards um, women just learning their cycles in addition to couples, which is super great. If they go to your website, do you have like options on there where they can find a practitioner? Yes, definitely. So it's broken down to give an overview of the woman's cycle and then it goes into um, what is natural family planning and, and what does that mean? Because I think oftentimes women will get kind of confused thinking, especially if you're unmarried, like, well, I'm not looking to plan a family. I'm just looking to learn my body. So I go in and explain um, that, you know, fertility awareness is another term that's often used or fertility charting, fertility tracking, and just explaining in a little more depth what that looks like. And then with the Catholic church, why does the Catholic church have this viewpoint and what does that mean? And it's that integration of theology and science and really living out the dignity of personhood. Um, And then I go into the actual breakdown of each method. So hormonal only, mucus only, and then symptothermal methods so that you're able to really see, okay, based on lifestyle and what you're looking for, what questions you might have, trying to walk you through those steps so that when you get to the point where you're like, okay, I want to explore this particular method, this seems to be a good fit, you can go directly to that website or you can also look for an NFP only doctor through a directory called One More Soul Directory that I have linked on the website. And then I'll also be adding um, a website called Well Catholic that also includes um, NFP 
um, only doctors and providers too, which is really helpful to oh, have both really... resources to compare and contrast. Yeah. Oh. So really wanting to make it tangible. So people aren't just reading about it and then thinking now what, which was my experience. I was reading about it. I was on board, but then I didn't really know like, well, how many methods are hormonal only? And what does that mean? Or how many are symptothermal? Mm -hmm. And should I do that? So this is just a, a good breakdown that I've tried to really create and listen to what um, women are wanting through their feedback, which has been really helpful just to, to tailor that experience. So it's, so it's actually like the content that you want to see and what you need. That's awesome. That's awesome. That sounds so helpful. I mean, I remember before I got married and Bridget got married, we were just, we both did two at a time. I remember we did symptothermal, which is the lady comp and then mucus. And I, I did both my first year of marriage. Mackenzie's story is really interesting because um, it's not, like you said, Bridget, it's not just about planning a family. Like, Ken's, maybe you could go into this a little bit. And I'm sure, Bridget, you've heard other women say that, like, things like this. But um, she found out that she is, it's PCOS, right, Ken's, that you found out you had yeah. from charting? Yes. So PCOS is, um, stands for polycystic ovarian syndrome. I was charting as usual, uh, learning my body and my cycles were 45 days long, which is kind of rare, I guess. I mean, nothing's rare these days. Women are all over the place. But I remember feeling off certain times of the month and just not my full self. Uh, things looked off too. So I just brought my chart down to Dr. Delgado, who is a NAPRO specialist, which means he you know, specializes in uh, reading charts. So I bring it down to Southern California and I'm like, look, I feel so weird. Um, look at this chart. This is when I'm acting this way. This is when my body says this. And he looks at it for 10 minutes and just knew. He was like, oh, you have PCOS. But had I not been charting and taking notes and kind of just being more aware of that, I, I would have never known. Thankfully, he caught that early and told me it would be hard for me to get pregnant. So... Of course, I go back and act normal, and uh, we're not even really trying. We're just open to life as usual, and I become pregnant with Trez by the grace of God. But he immediately put me on Matt Foreman, and all was well, and all has cleared up. But had I not been charting, I would have never known. So I'm so thankful for that and learning learning my body, honestly. But everybody has a crazy story like that. I mean... Bridget, you should share your beginning and your first baby. Yeah. I mean, I had a miscarriage and I also was able to detect that extremely early on because of charting. Um, so I had missed a period, but then um, not only had I missed a period, I then ended up having really light bleeding and mm -hmm. I went into the doctor and they said, you're pregnant, but you have very low levels. Um, and so I was able to bring them my chart because they didn't know how far along I was. And that kind of brought clarity to the situation. So um, I do think that there's there's incredible reasons to chart for women, for all women um, outside of just planning children. I mean, I have like if we're being honest here, like just from like learning like what mucus means what is that a sign of well it's a sign of your fertility and having to like kind of observe that throughout the month like that has made me so much more aware of my body and like every part of like just being more in tune with like how am I feeling and and everything we see with our bodies 
is usually there's like more to it. And so if we become more aware of as women, what makes us unique and what we should be seeing normally, um, if some of that becomes abnormal, if you've been charting, I mean, I don't know if you guys can speak to this, but I've become much more aware um, of like signs that my body is showing me just in general from Mm -hmm. charting. Oh, totally. Just hearing both your stories. I mean, I, you had asked earlier, um, Mackenzie, that if there are certain methods, you know, do you hop around, do you stick with one the whole time? And that was part of my journey in, in becoming pregnant with Felicity. Um, we had started out with couple to couple league and it was, a, it's a symptothermal method and it had been working really well. And eventually we were like, okay, we, you know, we're open to life. You know, we're in that, that posture of openness. Right. But we were really like, you know, I think God is calling us to really intentionally, you know, try to start our family. And it was in this process, I was working on the website and had learned more about FEM and was like, you know, this is amazing. They've done so much more. I think I want to go back to using this because during college, I wasn't formally trained in it. I just mm-hmm. used the app as a reference point. And we started using it and the instructor I was working with went, you know, hey, your cycle is just like a little bit off. That luteal phase is a little bit shorter than it should be. And I like overall seemed to have a pretty healthy, normal cycle. So I hadn't thought too much of it. And my previous practitioners with couple to couple hadn't really noticed anything off. So I went to a doctor, um, fortunately trained in NFP and FEM and local to me. So I started working with her and she did labs and she um, found that my testosterone levels were off. Mm. I had had no idea. I was checked for PCOS and was like shocked that we were even doing that process because I was like, I don't have like the symptoms that I've normally Mm -hmm. read about and heard about from other women. And what I've seen in the research, but she was like, you know, we need to rule this out and see what's going on because this luteal phase is too short. And in order for you to be ovulating optimally and and achieving pregnancy, we've got to get this longer. So I'm thinking like, okay, here I am working on an NFP site and I have no idea that this is happening. So it was a really eye-opening experience for me that, you know, even though you can have all this knowledge available, it's really like using the method, working with your practitioner regularly and with your doctor you know, if you can find one, I mean, that's, that's another aspect of this, that, um, I was put on a supplement for my testosterone to normalize out my levels and did a lot of labs in the process of like eight months. Um, we unfortunately had a miscarriage and then a couple months after that we conceived and successfully, you know, maintained pregnancy with Felicity, but was put on progesterone for, for the first 14 weeks. Um, and those are just like the nitty gritty aspects of NFP that you don't often hear people talking about. So I love that you guys are opening up and sharing your stories too, because I think when women hear this, I think it can bring a lot of hope and a sense of peace and knowing that like we're not alone as women and that we need to hear these stories of, of charting, showing the journey of what it really looks like. And not just like, if you do this, you'll know your body and it's great. It's like, they're the highs and lows of what that experience can be like emotionally. Mm -hmm. And I know that was true for me, like having that moment, like, oh my gosh, there could be something wrong. And I like this may be way harder to have kids than I thought. And here I thought, you know, we must just be doing NFP so well. And I was like, maybe it's that. And maybe it's also that there's something going on with my body that needs to be addressed too. So yeah. I think there's just that, that line that you're always kind of walking, like, okay, God, what are you calling me to? Obviously, like if you're following the method and following what you're supposed to do, and then there's that discernment piece of it too. There's just, there's a lot involved as a married yeah. couple using NFP. Wow. Totally. I love what you said about like, oh, maybe we're just good at NFP. I've had those <laughs> moments myself and it's actually not always true. I, I'm currently finishing breastfeeding my second right now and I I will share with you guys that I 
am not fertile postpartum for months. And with that comes, you know, other things like emotions and stress and no period. And so just knowing that and knowing it's not just me being crazy, you know, I can look yes, look at my lack of period, yeah. look at my lack of ability and say, okay, this will get better, you know, and yeah. go from there. So I, I, I think what we could all touch on is um, we, we're throwing around all these terms that probably sound like different language. Um, so what is the luteal phase? Can you just explain just the basics? Yes. We, yeah. Cause I think it's really helpful to, and I include this on the website too, just to have the basics, even though it can feel really nitty gritty. And even if you don't fully understand it too, it's just helpful to know like, okay, what is like, how does this work? What does this look like? Um, so there are four main phases. There's menstruation, the follicular phase, ovulation, and then the luteal phase. Um, there are a bunch of different hormones at play too, which is another aspect to this when you're talking about postpartum with breastfeeding. Um, you know, there can be the rise and fall of estrogen before you're even ovulating, which can cause other issues with like, you can get headaches, you can have, you know, the emotional highs and lows too. So um, it's just really helpful to be able to understand like, okay, how does all of this work together? So with the luteal phase, it's the luteinizing hormone that, that's being looked at. And the LH surge causes ovulation. And then the corpus luteum, which is the empty ovarian follicle, produces the progesterone, which it signals the brain to stop secreting the LH. So you really mm-hmm. need to have that LH surge after estrogen, um, which provides that surge in LH to be able to successfully uh, ovulate and optimally ovulate too. So you need that length to be able to conceive a baby. So if that's too short or it's like missing, that's where oftentimes women can be struggling with um, getting pregnant or struggling with conception. And obviously like there are nuances to this. So I don't want to make a broad statement to say like, oh, obviously it's a quick fix. If you have a short luteal, luteal phase, there can be different hormones at play. Like for me, it was testosterone that was causing a shortening of my luteal phase in order for me to be able to get pregnant. Um, So there's also language around like a typical cycle and what that looks like. So you may find, um, you know, some women are talking about, oh, I usually have like a 28 day cycle, but um, it it ranges for women and also what's healthy. So it's helpful to say like, okay, a typical cycle is usually 25 to 32 days starting Mm -hmm. with uh, like bleeding and with after the luteal phase and and then starting back up again, but it it varies. And so that's where I think it's really important for women to have an overview Mm -hmm. of their cycle and understand what's going on and what's happening. Um, But it's a process to learn this. It's not something that like you, you get it overnight and you just understand it and it makes so much sense. Like I have to keep going back to my charts as someone Mm -hmm. who, yeah, even runs managing your fertility and as we on my third method now using Marquette method Mm -hmm. and focusing on hormonal only um, it's a process to be able to really ingrain it into your brain because it's not something that we're, we've grown up with and we're being saturated by in school, by our families, by our friends. It's something we're paving the way to create in this yeah. culture. That's helpful for sure. What you shared. Um, one thing we wanted to also ask you, Bridget is, um, you know, there's just this trend that it seems to be, um, kind of surfacing in society where there's this shift to like more natural naturopathic homeopathic practices across the board in healthcare. Mm -hmm. Um, Are you seeing with this rise of like more health awareness, are women coming to you kind of in larger numbers than before? Or, I mean, I just know personally I've, I've successfully gotten a couple friends off birth control, which (laughs) I've been excited about. 
And, um, you know, there were not even Catholic women, you know, these are friends Mm -hmm. that I've just posted about my experience. And I've been open about it on social media. And I would get messages to my inbox about from women who were super unhappy on the pill, they had crazy symptoms that they were not happy with. And I just shared all my information with them. And I'm, I mean, I don't think that it was, it was me. I think it was more, their eyes were opened kind of like all of ours were to holy crap. There's something, um, far more simpler and ingrained in our bodies that Mm. we can just learn. And there's no need for this prescription. There's no need for a pill. Um, and so have you seen kind of an increase in, um, women being interested in, in learning a natural way and kind of going away from the pill? From my experience, I definitely have, I've seen much more conversation around it and, you know, I'm doing a lot on social media with outreach and just engaging and having conversations with people. And that's where I see it's increasing. And I'm seeing not only are more people sharing their stories, but there's just a general receptivity and openness to hearing about natural family planning and fertility awareness and the process of charting cycles in general, which I think is really amazing to see because I think, you know, even five years ago wasn't as much on the forefront of people's minds. And with this push and I think a lot of it with clean beauty, I think for women just seeing clean Mm -hmm. home products and Mm -hmm. clean beauty, I think it's getting people talking and I'm, I have people reaching out like, Hey, I really want to learn more about this or I want to start again. Or I was thinking about quitting, but I'm not going to anymore. I think this is really important. And I think it's because of these stories that women are sharing too. And they're, you know, they're not, it's not about us being perfect and sharing a perfect charting story. It's just the idea that we're trying and we're wanting to make waves and we're wanting to see a difference and we're wanting to see, you know, within our doctor's offices too, that we can find doctors who are willing to engage with us and look at our charts and actually understand what they're saying. And they're not just saying, wow, that's ridiculous. I think it's starting conversations to actually explore and, and look at reproductive health where I think in the past and, and up to now, it's generally this like taboo topic. We're not supposed to touch it. We're not supposed to talk about Mm -hmm. it. We're supposed to let women do their own thing because we don't want to dismantle feminism and how far we've come with birth control. But I think we're starting to see the cracks in those arguments and that reasoning. Mm -hmm. And I think we're starting to see women say like, you know, I think I can still be a feminist and Mm -hmm. chart and understand my body without having to be on birth control. Um, and, and I, and I think too, you know, there's, there's so many commercials, you know, recently I saw with Nexaplan where it's like the insertion in your arm for birth control with actresses promoting it. And I saw it and I was just like, this is so gross. And my sister just said, you know, I bet if they knew it wasn't good for women, I don't think they would support it. And I think she's totally right. I think more often yeah. than not, we're just trying to promote a product that we think is really going to benefit women that we think yeah. is really going to help women. And mm-hmm. I, we're starting to see the cracks in those arguments because we're seeing the ramifications with other products that we're using, like with makeup and with our cleaning supplies that it's not good for us. And yeah. we're starting to ask those questions, you know, is it good for my reproductive health to be taking a hormonal pill every day and thinking that I'm having a period when it's not. And I think that, that has been really amazing for me to see. And just within my channels, I have people reaching out, you know, either saying that they really want to chart and they're nervous, but where do they go? Or they're going to recommit to using fertility charting and NFP because they see the benefits. And it's a lot of times people just sharing their stories too, that I'm seeing more and more of, especially with like the hashtags with natural family planning and fertility awareness. And it's not about perfect charting. I think that's, that's the piece that I think in the past we've tried to present it in that way to entice people to do it. Mm. 
And more often than not, people just want an honest look at what does it really look like to chart? What is it like to do this with a spouse? What does it look like to do it as a single woman? And can I do it? Can I actually do this or is it impossible? Because the narrative is so overwhelmingly, you shouldn't do this. It's dangerous and you can't do it. You're not smart enough. Whether we, whether we mm-hmm. hear that specifically or not, that's what we're being told more often than, than not. And I think women are starting to see that more and more. I think we're starting to realize like, no, I actually am smart enough to know my body. Um, yeah. And I, I don't have totally. to shut down my system to be able to be empowered and live my life and make healthy choices. And it's, it's going to positively, positively impact other relationships that we have too, especially I think romantic relationships to see like, okay, if I'm charting and I understand my body, what does that mean? How am I respecting myself? Okay. Well, what does that look like to respect another person too? And do I really just want to be on birth control to do whatever I want? Like, is that really empowering? And I think it's, it's getting at those questions that are, um, they're hard, they're hard questions, but we need to be Mm -hmm. looking at them and talking about them. I'm sure you've seen this or heard of it, Bridget, but have you heard of the documentary, The Business of Birth Control, that's coming out? Yes, I have heard about it. Um, With Abby Epstein and Ricky Lake. Um, I'm super excited for this. It's from the creators of The Business of Being Born. Mm -hmm. And I just saw that on their Instagram, I think they took a break with like production for a while. And I was super bummed. I was like telling Mackenzie, like, I hope they really (laughs) come through with this documentary because they're pretty decently they're decently known filmmakers so for them to come out with this film is gonna be huge for um the fertility Mm -hmm. awareness movement um and i just saw on their instagram they posted a doctor a short clip of a doctor and the doctor said um basically in a nutshell she was like um kind of the 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 funniest part of the pill is that it's been marketed to empower women and and allow them freedom in their sexuality And yet the irony is it lowers and decreases the libido by almost 50%. (laughs) So here you're telling women, take this pill and you can have sex whenever you want. And it's going to be amazing for your sex life. Oh, but wait, by the way, you'll never want to have sex because it's going to diminish your your, um, desire to even have sex. And by the way, they've introduced birth control for men. And men aren't going Ugh. to take it because they found that it decreases their libido so much and they're depressed and suicidal and they feel like crap. Mm. So you know what? Let's just put it back on the women, which we like don't uh. talk about. But there are stories even in like the Atlantic. So I'm not talking about, you know, these like conspiracy theorist journalists. I mean, these are like in mainstream media where we're talking yeah. about birth control for men and men are like, I'm not doing it. I am not putting my body through that. And I'm like, wow, exactly. what, what an offensive thing to women to think, oh, yeah, but you know what? Let's put the women through it. Really? Amen. For the men who are fertile a hundred percent of the time. Sweet. Nice. Thanks. Like it just, (laughs) it just makes my blood boil. It's like, this is so ridiculous. Like what are we even doing right now? And then to think that like birth control is feminism. We've literally just told men who are fertile a hundred percent of the time who feel a little bit crappy that that we'll do it instead. How is that empowering or freedom in and of itself with birth control? But then in addition to the fact that we're shutting down our reproductive system it's lowering our libido and it's not even like making us feel good. And there are other implications for mental health too, that we are starting to see more conversations about and more women are sharing like, Oh yeah, I was diagnosed with depression. I got off my hormonal birth control. It improved so much, you know, and that's not to say it completely maybe necessarily will get rid of your depression, but for some women it has because it so negatively impacts your system because we're just not aware of how it impacts our hormones. And that like, Hormones like estrogen and progesterone aren't just for our cycle. 
they impact other aspects of our body too. But we get so focused on birth control is only for my reproductive health system. And that just doesn't make mm-hmm. sense. Right. Like right. we're taking it, it's going to impact other hormones, which in fact impact other aspects of our, of our health overall. It, it would be a hilarious um, experiment to like have men actually go on this birth control and then provide feedback and then to just like interview women in the same fashion and just say like, Hey, like we're expected to do this. And yet you guys like whine about it. And then somehow it's empowering for us to go back on it and be the ones completely in charge of uh, fertility management Mm -hmm. or family planning. Like it should, another beautiful thing that, that we didn't really touch on is how it should be a discussion with you and your spouse. And I think all three of us can agree that when you enter into the decision to track your body instead of take artificial birth control, you have to bring the spouse into the conversation because there will be days that you can't be together. But it's funny because uh, before we started recording, I, t- I was talking to Johnny, my husband, and I was like, okay, is there anything from a guy's perspective that I can, you know, add today to the episode? And he was like, it was really eye-opening to him. Like, he didn't know anything about a woman's body in terms of, like, what he was learning when we started to meet um, on Skype with a practitioner. And in terms of the sex life, if we're, if we're being honest, he was like... Um, it's kind of like a little kid in the backseat of a car. They're like, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? And he said, from a guy's perspective, it makes sex more enjoyable when you can't have it every single day because you look forward to it. And then it becomes a really special moment that you guys get to share. So I think in that sense too, it's really pushing you as a couple to think about what intimacy and sex look like. And what it looks like to love your spouse and to romance your spouse because you're not just on demand and you're mm-hmm. not someone that is just like, well, right. I'm on birth control anyway, so we could do it tonight. We could do it tomorrow. Mm-hmm. We could do it in three days. It's like there's more intention behind it. Yeah. And learning to love each other in so many other ways too mm-hmm. on the days yeah. you decide not to is it love that it's a decision for both parties, not just, yeah. not just the one poor woman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Bridge and I used to joke about, um, I think it was on my wedding night, actually, we were all laughing and dancing on the dance floor and saying, green day, we all have a green day, <laughs> which oh is gosh. a great term. Oh, yeah. It's like we yeah. openly talk about it now because so yeah. Mackenzie's husband and my husband played football together at the academy and we all four are like basically close friends. So it's become like, like you said this earlier, Bridget, it's so important to have friends that you can be open with about this. Um, not that you talk to every single person in your circle right. about, you know, about, you know, fertility, but it's nice to have at least one couple or one friend who knows the struggle and knows that it's not easy and is still choosing to do it and sees the beauty in it. And I think with Ken's and I, when we were, before we were even married, we were charting and learning our bodies and we would call each other and text each other and be like, Oh my gosh, you're never going to believe it. Like I did it right finally. Or like I've done three months in a row and I have seen the pattern and you kind of discover yourself. And if you have that friend or that soundboard, you know, you can go back and forth with each other. And we would do that all the time. That's so Mm -hmm. awesome. I love that. Yeah. And it totally makes a difference. And I think that can be something that can really make it or break it for a couple to have another couple or, you know, another girlfriend that you can really talk to about 
your body and what's going on. So you don't feel alone because I think sometimes it can feel lonely or confusing. Even if you have a practitioner and you have a doctor, it's like, and mm-hmm. you have your spouse, obviously, but it's like, there's something about that camaraderie of knowing, you know, for us, we have another couple that we would talk to, especially in the early stages of marriage, we're like a month apart being married. And then I remember like with a couple months into it, we were sitting there and it was like 10 PM, like, Hey, we should wrap up. And then somebody just dropped the bomb. Like, so NFP, how's that going? And it was like, <laughs> Oh, Oh, now we're getting into it. Let's do this. And you know, by the time we wrapped up, it was like 2 AM and we were all just like, wow. that was amazing. And we were just, you know, it was it's still like you're respecting your marriage and respecting, you know, the intimacy that you wow. have together. But it was still like this openness that I think all of us just kind of breathe a sigh, like, Oh, I'm okay. It's not just me. I'm not alone. Like we can do this. And I think it really, for, for David and I encouraged us like, okay, we've got this. Like, it's okay that it's messy. It's okay Mm -hmm. that it's not perfect. And it's okay that there are moments that it's hard and it stinks, (laughs) but there are also like the, the, there's beauty in that because there's, there's no way to really grow without those challenges, without those difficulties. And I think that's something that we don't like to hear about when it comes to sex and when it comes to having intimacy with our spouses, because we've just never heard that narrative. We've right. never heard that idea mm-hmm. that it's okay, that it's hard. And that means that like you're growing and you're refining your love. NFP is like the ultimate mm-hmm. virtue builder. Yeah. And, you know, we just, we don't really, I mean, I think we're starting to talk about it more, especially in Catholic and Christian circles, but I think we're just starting to. And starting to be open because we're not afraid of thinking, if I share this, people aren't going to practice NFP. It's like, I would rather Mm -hmm, practice it knowing everything that I'm going to be doing and have like the truth of it than only know the sunshine and roses because then I'm going to think I'm doing it completely wrong. And if I'm not happy and like glowing all the time, then there's, I've done it wrong. And that's just not true at all. And it's so basic to Bridget, like talking with friends, both Bridget and I have talked to many friends who aren't on doing NFP or practicing any of this. And we hear things like, oh, I don't get a period and that's normal or oh yeah, I get one day of a period a month and that's normal. Or what's ovulation? And it's like yeah. these things that are actually so basic and it's not their fault. It's sad that we weren't taught it, you know, in right. school, like you said. It's, and so it's important to speak about it and yeah. to have those 2 a.m. couple conversations yeah. and grow together. And I'm really grateful for that. And I think this just affirmed that I think more people want to hear stuff mm-hmm. like this. Mm-hmm. Oh, totally. I think so. And that's what I'm seeing more and more, especially online, people sharing and reaching out and and just putting themselves out there which is bold it's brave to be able to do that and to encourage others and then to see you know people coming through with comments or messages that they're so grateful they're not alone or like I want to learn more where do I go or who do I talk to it's just like we're craving information I think Mm -hmm. I think we we don't give people enough credit that it's not that people don't want to do NFP or they're not interested people want information but they just want they want honest conversations about it. And so how do we take those from online to in person? How do we encourage people in parishes? How do we encourage priests? How do we encourage couples to be bold and sharing their testimony? And one thing just to share, because I really, really love how you said the real conversations need to happen and it can't just be sunshine and roses. Um, Like there was a time, so I got pregnant like pretty immediately after having a baby. And when I got pregnant with Grace, like basically Colby and Grace are Irish twins. It might be off by a month or something. Um, And I thought to myself, I'm never going to be able to talk about NFP again. All of my friends are going to be like, oh, she's not, she's terrible at it. And I just thought like, oh, this is going to discredit me. Like I I am no longer going to be able to share. Mm -hmm. And I thought of all the friends that I had also convinced to get off the pill. And I'm like, oh my gosh, they're, they're not going to trust me anymore. 
But what I actually said to a friend that got her off, um, I off her IUD was, um, it, there was a bunch of us having a wine night and I, I almost like just teared up talking about it, but, um, she had shared in the group, um, you know, I'm on, I, I have an IUD, I'm a control freak and I really need to plan my family. Like I need it to be spaced out the way that I want it and the way that my husband wants it. And I just felt called to share with her guess what? I'm a control freak too. And uh, when I got pregnant two and a half months after I had a baby, I, I almost like my husband and I laughed. Like we actually started laughing because we we're like, this isn't physically possible. There's no way. And <laughs> there was a way because Grace is here. And what I said to this friend though, was like, I can't imagine my life without Grace. Like I'm not, this is not even like some cute thing. Like, oh, everything happens for a reason. I actually can't even imagine what my life would look like right now without her and and without her in our family. And so I think the beauty also of the natural method is that we aren't the planners of our lives, you know, like God plans our life. Ultimately, we can like use prudence and obviously, um, you know, discern what's best for our family and try for what we think is best for our family. But in that moment, if you had asked me, do I think it's best for my family to get pregnant right now without any sleep and without anything, um, you know, in terms of like knowing how to even parent yet? Probably not. But I mean, looking back, I just cannot even imagine what my life would look like without the two babies that I have. That's so, so beautiful. I just think there's, yeah, yeah. There, there's beauty in also being open. And I, in that experience, I learned something that I never knew, which is, uh, you probably know this, Bridget, but um, in my research, I realized that your most fertile period is the first period mm. after you have a baby, yeah. but yes. no one ever told <laughs> yes. me that. <laughs> No, they don't. So yeah, you just learn, you know, you learn your body, you learn how it works. And through that, I think that you refine, you know, you kind of like grow as a couple and you grow as a woman in like, how does my body work? And how does it all work for the bigger picture? I love that. It makes me think about Leah Darrow and and promoting her hashtag babies and dreams. And just that, you know, Mm -hmm. we can do all things with our babies, you know, it's not like, oh, if I have, I have to carefully plan out my family because otherwise my career will suffer. Right. You know, it's just that things might look different, but that doesn't mean that, you know, you're, you're not going to be successful. Success might look different. You might totally revisit what success means too. Yeah. And I think with, with exactly. NFP, I think I, I remember having that th- feeling too, like, oh my gosh, I'm starting this website and I'm newly married. And if I get pregnant right away, people aren't going to think I'm serious about this they're gonna think nfp is a joke and i remember having to surrender that thought like it doesn't matter what happens like this is my family's calling and what god has called for for our lives for our family and what we say yes to are generations of life of Mm -hmm. of a lineage of people who are called to be saints and meant to be on this earth and i think to be able to say yes to that is so powerful and the piece that we have to keep coming back to because it's easy to get stuck in the data of nfp at least yeah. for me to really, because I, because I often see the conversation is either all theology or it's all science, but that integration, that living in the tension is so much harder to do, but it's where the fruit of our labor really is, you know, pun intended, I guess, mm-hmm. because it's just like, <laughs> that's where it, that's where it happens. That's where we need to have both to really understand, like, what am I saying yes to when I, when I'm open to life? What am I saying yes to when I decide to throw away the birth control? You know, what am I saying yes to when I'm deciding to learn my body? And and that surrender is so necessary Mm -hmm. for us 
in, in becoming saints and becoming the best versions of ourselves. And that's hard. You know, that's not the narrative of the world, but it's the narrative that we need to keep coming back to, to better understand, like, what are we really called to do in this? And what is God using this tool for me to grow in love and intimacy and in virtue with my spouse? And if you don't have a spouse, there's still that call to grow in virtue and to grow in, in chastity and to grow in understanding of your body and who God made you to be in your, in respect of your personhood. So there's growth, no matter you're married or not in using fertility awareness or natural family planning. Exactly. And it's different for each, each person that's your yes is going to look different than her yes. Exactly. And I think just saying yes or dumping that birth control is the start of it of the beautiful picture. Like I just wanted to also share that my practitioner, so basically like you, like step one is probably research. Two is like, mm-hmm. if you really are serious about doing this the right way, like you've got to get a practitioner, which sometimes can look like a nurse, but they, they don't have to be a nurse. They could just be someone who has studied a specific method. And my practitioner was actually an Episcopalian like female pastor. Like, I don't even know how I found her. I found her through someone at church, but they were like, she's amazing. Like she has a great personality and she's very on fire for NFP. And her name's Lauren. And I have to shout her out because she was just incredible for us. And we became very close friends with her. And I asked her like, what, like what led you to, to study this and want to teach couples how to do this? And she was like, I couldn't believe that there were no Christian groups doing this. Like she's like, I had to find out about it from, from someone in the Catholic church. And then I wanted to get trained to then bring that out to, um, to other Christian women's circles. And so, um, I thought that was really interesting that, um, it's kind of starting to spread. And, um, so yeah, anyone listening who wants to kind of, um, explore this, there are so many resources now, like even outside the church for, for this sort of um, fertility awareness method. I love that. That's so awesome that she's doing that because that's yeah. a space that I think really needs more attention to NFP. And I think there's more, more interest than not. But I think there's sometimes that belief that like it's only a Catholic thing and it's not. There's so many women who yeah. are interested and desiring to learn. And it's, it's needed. This isn't just a Catholic thing. This is meant for every woman no matter her, her background or her faith beliefs. Yeah, exactly. Amen. Your website, Bridget, is managingyourfertility.com again, right? Yes, it is managingyourfertility.com. Perfect. So that's a one-stop shop and people can start there. It sounds like. Yeah. So all the methods are there and then finding a practitioner, finding doctors. I try to have everything there, but I'm always open to feedback and ideas from users to make sure that, you know, it's speaking to what's really needed and what's missing from the conversation too. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Bridget. Like this was an awesome conversation and something that, you know, Ken's and I are definitely very passionate about. So we were so excited um, when you reached out because this is just something that we love to talk about. Thank you so yes, much for having do. me on. This is awesome. Keep talking about it. This Amazing. is so great. I just love your honesty and in sharing your stories. I just think this is, this is the bread and butter of, of NFP and what people want to hear. It's, you know, it's everything that women are, are craving. They're desiring to hear stories of authenticity and vulnerability to know that they can do this too. So I really just appreciate hearing your stories today too. It's inspiring me to remember to keep going, keep going. Yeah. We can do this. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. It's please a need. Keep going. Yeah. Please, yes. please keep going. Cause there are so many women that need your, um, 
your platform right now. So if anyone's listening that wants to to um, learn more, um, go over to Managing Your Fertility on Instagram and um, her website as well. Yeah, we're excited to see where it goes, Bridget. Thank you so much for everything. Thank Thanks, you so much for Bridget. having me on. Thanks for listening to COVID Combos, a series brought to you by Unraveled Podcast. To stay a part of the conversation, follow us on Instagram at Unraveled Podcast or on Spotify at The Unraveled Podcast. Thanks for listening.